Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Don't know if you noticed, but you could see us on the last podcast. <laughs> we're, we're not used to that. You're podcast not used to that. But yeah, uh, yeah. it was a podcast lot of fun. 600. We, were, we were live on YouTube, and then, of course, it followed with audio. For those of you that only listen to it, we, we really appreciate it. 600 episodes is mm. difficult for me to wrap my brain around, but apparently that has happened. I was looking down at the clock. It's about, you know, it was 7.30 Mountain Time when yeah, we, yeah. we had started at 7. Looked down at the clock, 30 minutes had flown by. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, 20 minutes later, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then it was just, it went so fast. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you guys for all the awesome questions. That was a lot of fun. We'll have to, you know, people have been asking us about doing the video podcast just flat out for every episode. Yeah, yeah. We've mulled it over. We've talked about it back and forth. We're still not quite all there yet, but we're, we're still thinking about it, just so you know. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, and I've talked about this before, the problem that I feel like with uh, visual podcasts is the fact that you stop speaking to an audience that can't see you. Mm-hmm. The people yeah. that are listening, which yeah. is... The, Percentage-wise, there's more of you listening than have watched anything when we've done a live podcast. So I definitely want to cater to you guys that are commuting or listening or whatever. That's definitely something that's important to us. But it was cool to do the live thing and have the live questions screaming by, like fire hosing at us. <laughs> it's funny. It was like speed reading and speed thinking. It was very fun, though. So thank you, guys. We've got a lot of great car conclusions. Thank you guys so much for writing in your car conclusions. Mm-hmm. It's a huge list, ever-growing. It's awesome. And what I love is it doesn't necessarily take a debate for you guys to hear stuff and yes, write to us. Absolutely. I love that. Starting off with Samuel Serrano Vargas in Bloomington, Indiana. He did not have a debate. He never wrote for a debate. Mm. We answered two of his Instagram questions. In 2016, he received his engineering degree and bought a new Scion IM when he moved to Bloomington. Okay. He's driven 125,000 miles between commuting, 70 wow. miles round trip, visiting his ex who lived 380 miles away and many, many road trips. So he drives a lot on the highway. Wow. No kidding. Well, he does admit to having the disease, and he's always wanted something better, most notably seating for five and above 250 horsepower. <laughs> also reliable and good for long trips. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. other stuff. Yeah, there's yeah, other yeah, stuff yeah, too. yeah, for sure. Horsepower, people. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're Come right. On. Yes. He says, as a loyal Everyday Driver Car Debate listener, he did some drive homework. Okay. He drove a 2020 Audi A3 Quattro, mm-hmm. way faster and more fun than he thought, but the backseat was too cramped. It is quite cramped, yes. Yeah, indeed. He drove a 2017 Lexus IS 300 all-wheel drive, adequately fast, comfortable, nice, he says. The automatic transmission was underwhelming, especially after driving the Audi. It does matter in what order you do your driving homework. This is homework. an excellent point. You're absolutely right. It's yes, now yes, not yes. just driving homework. It's now strategy in planning <laughs> what car in order You're so right, you yeah. don't come out of one and go, well, that's... But, you know, on the other hand, maybe that's a good thing because you get that instant seat time and you think, the things that I loved about the Audi, mm-hmm. I immediately noticed in the Lexus. The biggest thing about the homework part of it is the more you can compress the experiences so that they're close to each other, because then you get that back-to-back yeah. seat time that we so enjoy yeah. as well. What else did he drive? Oh, 2021 Honda Accord Sport, the 2.0, also adequately fast. What mm. is adequately fast? Yeah, it like, didn't surprise him, <laughs> but I guess we're moving quickly now. But the problem is he also drove, and I don't know why he did this in this order, but anyway, he also drove the Honda Accord with the 1.5 liter turbo, and he said, as soon as I stepped on the gas, it was disqualified. <laughs> Which is which is appropriate. How the, short was your test drive? Yeah, in that exactly. Car. Yeah, no, you know what? I'm good. I'm, I'm just going to get We're out fine. and yep. leave you the keys here. Come find your car. I dropped a pin on the map. Samuel, 
<laughs> I love that you did this homework. Mm-hmm. And I love that it led you to the car here, which is a 2018 Acura TLX SH all-wheel drive A-spec with the mm. V6 in red. It was certified, indeed. I like it. I he like says it. he gets so much more more for your money than the Lexus, and the salespeople treated him well. It's Glad because, I that. hate to say it, the Acura salespeople are ecstatic that you're at Acura and not at Lexus. <laughs> That's the truth of it. Especially if you tell them, I just came from Lexus. Yes, they're ecstatic because Acura <laughs> is the forgotten luxury brand. Yeah. They are just yeah. forgotten, and they make good stuff. Sammy says it grips, allows him to take curves at speeds he never imagined. Excellent. That is the whole idea. Mm -hmm. The power feels effortless whenever he passes people on the interstate. Also good. And the engine sounds good, too. He says people have stopped him in parking lots to tell him they like his car. It's cool. Isn't that a good feeling? It's awesome. Yeah, that's great. I love that it's comfortable for you. Long distances. You've got cruise control, listening to podcasts. He says it feels peaceful. And you're right. The interior is a lot better in person than in photos. Yeah. The shapes and the screens are not the most modern, but everything is well put together. feels much better than the Accord. Samuel, thanks for writing. I'm glad this all led you to that. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the, the homework, the driving heart hierarchy. Yeah, sure. And you kind of, yeah. Yeah, you researched your way to something you love. So Mm -hmm. well done. That's fantastic. Tommy wrote in from Salt Lake City, so pretty close to us, also did not have a debate, but he discovered the show and he dove in and he's actually, he's listening. This is the person listening backwards, right? Yes, he's listening backwards. He discovered that when he first found the podcast, he was far enough along that his phone started serving up the episode prior to the one he just listened to. So he is simultaneously listening to the episodes in reverse order while listening to the new ones when they drop. So he has gone backwards to episode 359, working his way toward one. By the way, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, Tommy. We get worse going that way. We, we get worse at this. We, 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 we struggle more the further back you go. But thank you for listening either way. I think that's awesome. Yeah, funny. Well, he says he, he cannot describe the impact we've had on his daily life because he drives to work as a property manager. He listens to the podcast every day for hours on end. Thank you, Tommy. His thought process on car ownership, he says, you both have driven me to want to experience as many cars as possible. Good. And the listening to the Bates has opened up his mindset to more cars and types of cars than he might not have considered in the past. I love that. That's that's almost entirely the reason we do it. That's yeah, great. No yeah. kidding. As a '90s kid, he was heavily influenced by Fast and Furious movies, and he thought he only wanted tuners and JDM cars to modify <laughs> into oblivion. <laughs> Speaking of '90s kids, there's a few T-shirts on Blipshift, and whenever I wear the "I like big." end of the 992 Mm -hmm. and i cannot lie i've had a flight attendant stop me and look at my shirt and she said what is that that's funny read it and she she laughed it was funny we are going to cycle through all those shirts on blip shift and currently we have the minister of finance shirt is back yeah you have a minister of finance person in your life that shirt is available you can buy it right now on blip shift also the stuttgart which is your really cool 911 silhouettes of all generations that's available right now too that'll cycle out in a couple weeks we'll have other ones but those are the ones that are current tell me minister of finance is back get it now (laughs) right now sure for sure. Well, growing up, Tommy says his dad had three different C3 Corvettes, mm. a two 1967 Corvettes and a 1969 that he cool. absolutely loved. Those were th- that was when the the C3 was really cool. That was the early gen, yeah, yeah, early yeah, part really of the C3 yeah. that we really liked. Well, his first car was not a Corvette. It was a red 93 Toyota Tercel. How long has it been since you've heard the word Tercel? It's been a while, yes. And a few years later, he got a 1996 Forest Green Jetta R 5-speed. 
that he learned to drive stick on. Cool. In 2011, he purchased his first car, a forest green Kia Serena. What's up with the forest green? Apparently, he likes forest green. Yeah. Well, he was um, mowing yards. We so need the C3 why. Corvettes forest green. Do we have that much of a, of a back history <laughs> Let's get with the this? photos here. Anyway, yeah. He drove that Kia Sereno from his junior year of high school through college, eventually sold it in 2017 to get a new black Focus ST. Okay. All right. All right. His girlfriend at the time and now wife and minister of finance, she needs the shirt, (laughs) had a lime green base fiesta at the time. He said, getting to come to the Ford Performance School back when it was a Utah Motorsports campus and, uh, well, Miller Motorsports Park, actually. Yeah, at that uh, point it was, yeah. And drive the track, he said, was really cool. That's awesome. But his wife, Jen, they bought her a white 2018 Jeep Grand Cherokee as a tow vehicle for their Sea-Doo. <laughs> you live in Utah <laughs> where we have lakes and towing. I That's how it. that happens, yes. The list is on. He, he was into another – he loved a Focus ST. He, he was lusting after a Wrangler. He says he got a 20 – oh, he traded the ST. And got a, a 2019 Wrangler, 2019 yeah. Bikini yeah. Pearl four-door Wrangler, summer 2019. He says, we did not plan on becoming a Jeep fam. <laughs> yeah, they have they have two Jeeps now. But okay, all right, yeah. But he does miss the feeling of manual. And he says, after wearing out the Minister of Finance and having her yell, in quotes, just get it already. <laughs> he, he purchased the Todd Special. I love this. It's now known as the Todd Special. Because it's a color. That's why. <laughs> funny, yeah, right? That's why it's the Todd Special. It's a red 2006 Mazda Miata <laughs> soft top. It's not the Todd Special because I won't fit. But it's right, the Todd right. Special because it's red. You funny. got a color. And you didn't get forest green. <laughs> Indeed. Even better. Well, he says uh, he got this. He's calling it his birthday present. It was a few miles away from his parents' house. So he's picking it up. And driving it back on a road trip with his sister right after she graduates college. I love it. That's great. And they're always talking about these new experiences. So he's excited and thrilled to say this will be his first Mazda and convertible and roadster and rear-wheel drive full-on sports car. That's amazing. And you said you're local. So if you you see us at Cars and Coffee, please say hi. We'd love to say hi to you for sure. Jeeps and Miatas all together in one garage. That's pretty much the perfect Utah garage right there. (laughs) Everything's convertible when the weather's awesome. I can go up in the mountains or I can do the mountain roads. It's perfect, yeah. Well, Tommy and Jen, thank you so much for writing. I'm so glad. And Tommy says, we've helped him change his perspective on car ownership. Thank you for recommending the podcast. And that's how it grows. You guys recommending and say, hey, these guys, you've got to listen to these guys. And, you know, there's many spouses who go, the guys. (laughs) But we love having (laughs) you. That's coming up too. Yeah, for sure. Jared is in Alabama from episode 541. He says he's following up on a car conclusion after being featured. Then he was asking about his recent accidental purchase of a salvage 2015 Genesis Coupe 3.8 R spec and his 2012 Audi A6 with high mileage. Remember, he had that that coupe and kind of discovered after the fact this was salvage. It was it was That's not right. good news. Yeah, he considered fixing the Genesis and keeping it as a daily or selling both cars to get a new experience. What he did was he chose to restore the Genesis back to like new condition. Mm. He flipped it for profit, and he sold the Audi A6. That's impressive. Well done. Wow. After a long time of searching, he is proud to say he bought his new car. He chose a 2011 Camaro 2SS RS package Mm. in Inferno Orange with black stripes and a six-speed. Wow. That sounds like that's quite fun. Wow. Well, he says it has 100,000 miles, but that's what he could afford as a broke college student. That's quite a step up. That's a a heck of a car, though. I was driving a Honda Accord, a 92 Honda Accord. Yeah broke college students. So I hear you, but yeah, I love your, it's your first American muscle experience. 
He wants to find out what it can do on track and sweeping curves with some handling mods. Tires before handling mods. Yes, tires, tires, tires. I think that car is going to be going to surprise you just as it is with good tires. Indeed, indeed. Well bought, Jared. Congratulations. Alex uh, writes to us from episode uh, 424. He said uh, he was looking for a new car because he had a new job. And the budget at the time, <clears throat> at the time, was thirty thousand mm. dollars, and we recommended things like the Golf R and the Audi S3 as stuff that seemed to check most of the box. If him wanting to look kind of classy mm-hmm. and spend his thirty thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars, yeah. So after that happened, uh, COVID hit, and he uh, was thinking about a car purchase maybe for later. And then he made a purchase uh, and probably spent more money than he should have and didn't get anything we recommended. That's right, because he says COVID taught him life is too short. Mm. And he says, even though it was over his original budget, he figured he would splurge a little and get a car that was truly special. You're talking my language, Alex. This is why you always go over budget, Paul, because yeah. two or three of these car debates, yes. uh, car conclusions, this being the first one, people are like, well, this was my budget. And then you're right. Yep. I spent more. <laughs> I put these in here as proof. <laughs> Because, because nobody believes them. me. The people are like, yeah, 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 yeah. You're going to blow right. my budget. Yeah, 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 and ha, sure. ha, ha, it's a funny joke. And then it actually happens. Mm-hmm. Here it is. He bought a 2013 Porsche Boxster S. Oh, love it. That's a great choice. Yeah, it's a big departure from the cars he was originally considering. Mm-hmm. But he wanted us to know. Alex, thank you so much. <laughs> that was episode 424. John Parker writes to us from Tupelo, and he says uh, he was looking for a cheap daily. He had a 1996 GMC Yukon with, wait for it, 365,000 miles and a 1996 Infiniti i30. This was, this was an old garage that we had, had about a $10,000 budget, wanted a manual transmission. I love this. The (laughs) list, the reasons for the list is my favorite thing. He wants a manual because manuals are awesome. He'd like a working gas gauge because the Yukons didn't work. It's the little things in life. Working air conditioning because he didn't have a car with working air conditioning. So uh, he decided, you know what, let's look for a completely different car. I I like that it's not, I'm going to solve those things in the current car. It's, I'm going to get an entirely new car and these are requirements, which I think is fantastic. He successfully (laughs) calls out Paul Mm -hmm. because he doubled doubled his budget. He said, and, yep. and at the time, I remember this car debate because it was like, I can spend 10 grand. I have these two old cars. I can spend 10 grand. Let's not get crazy. No funny business. $10,000. And now he tells us he doubled his budget. Yeah. $10,000 reminding everybody. And he looked at new Kia Souls and Chevy Sparks because they were reasonably priced and would run without question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your friends would ask you questions. <laughs> saying. The car wouldn't ask you questions. Other people right. would. You're right. Yes. And after doubling the budget, he is now the excited owner of a 2020 Honda Civic Sport manual transmission, Rally Red, just for you, Todd. I love that everybody's like, Rally Red. I got, I got, you bought a color. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, it's great. It is his first manual car. He's ecstatic. John, thank you for writing. That's really cool. Really hope you enjoy. Doubled the budget. Telling you. That's a thing. It happens. See, I'm here just, just in case. You're, you're here, you're here knowing what happens to all of us car diseased yep. people. And we're like, yeah, that's not one I wanted to spend, but it's the one that I want. Because we I all say, figure it out. yeah, COVID, life's short and I want to have fun and I want to enjoy. Honestly, and, that may be my favorite yeah. offshoot of the weird COVID situation of the past year mm-hmm. is the number of people that we've mentioned some and others of you that have written to us. And you've said that it has shifted your priorities in life to, I ought to make sure I like my life currently. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. I really yeah. do. Absolutely. Isaac P. writes to us from episode 546. He is 18 years old and was driving a 2007 Volvo S60 2.5T all-wheel drive. 
It was a hand-me-down car for he and his six other brothers. I remember this. Do you remember the jokes we yes, were cracking? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Mm. And, and how everybody's yeah. got to drive everybody else. And it was, it yeah. was a long-going conversation about, yeah, seven boys. <laughs> he needed something that was his. Mm-hmm. And we gave him a lot of suggestions, including a Fit, a Saab 92X, an Acura TL, Mazda 6, Mini Cooper S, and the Volvo C30. He says, all great suggestions for a budget of four to $6,000. What I thought was funny about this is he takes that and he literally like checked the boxes and went down the list, okay? He, he looked at the Acura and the Mazda decided they weren't for him. He liked the Saab 92X suggestion a lot, but there was nothing anywhere close to him that anybody was selling a Saab 92X. He also was concerned about a friend of his who had an unreliable Saab. I will say to you, it doesn't really apply for that car because it's actually a Subaru in a Saab suit, but True. I understand. So he walked away from that. He, he was curious about the Mini Cooper S, but he had the same thought I did when I got one with 130,000 miles. He went, um, uh, yeah, he's not going to be reliable. So that was a concern, uh, but he thought it'd be really cool. That led him to the Honda Fit, and he decided, I love this. Okay, remember, <laughs> he's got his dad. He's got six brothers. He lands on the Honda Fit, and he decides, this is my car. And the more he researches it with manual transmission, he decides, this is my car. And totally. he got super excited. This is what I want. Dad, have you seen this? And his dad says, <laughs> That's not going in my driveway. <laughs> in one sentence, Dad kills the possibility of the Honda Fit, and he has to try again. But Isaac, if you had shown him once of, one of Chance's photos of the Honda Fit race car in the racing livery on track with two wheels in the air hitting the curb at the Attitude yeah, yeah, at yeah. Utah Motorsports Campus, just m- maybe that would have helped a tiny bit. It's amazing that it does car? it, but it's not an attractive car. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Some of his brothers also decided they wouldn't want to be seen with Isaac. Well, you would have been able to drive around by yourself for once. That'd be nice. <laughs> That's yeah. true. How to keep your brothers out of your car. <laughs> now, despite all the dynamics and space and all that stuff, he moved on with them from that. <laughs> That's a pretty ringing declaration of can't have that car. Yeah, I, I love that you dug into the specs so deeply. All that put the fit out of contention. And s- contention. So he started pining after the Volvo C30, which he had initially left on the back burner because he wanted to examine other options, but mm-hmm. already having a Volvo, well, he was kind of, you know, Volvo yeah, under the skin sure. kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. He says he did his research. He decided the C30 was going to be for him. The quirky looks reminiscent of the P1800. He said that really stood out against the opposition. And a five-cylinder is super cool and rare as well. So he was quite intrigued by it. He began searching for C30s because, let's be honest, there's not very many. He finally found one. A T5R design, which is the right spec, 118,000 miles with a six-speed manual. Mm. Wow. He says the seller wasn't quite ready to sell. He was going to have to wait. So he kept pestering the seller. He went and looked at the car. <laughs> the kid's calling it. again. It was solid. <laughs> Just sell the kid your car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he was due for a timing belt. So he used that as a negotiation point, truly worked the owner down from 7000 to 5500 and got a pre-purchase inspection done by his mechanic. After a clean bill of health, the keys were his. And I love that the previous owner was also an enthusiast and was happy to see it go to a home where it would be appreciated. That's always nice yes, when you buy a car like that. Isaac, I like every part of this story. You were meticulous about this, and you wound up with something that you're incredibly excited about. Yeah, indeed. Well bought. Really appreciate it. Appreciate the update. Moving on to Stuart P. near Baltimore, Maryland. He did not have a debate, but he says, thank you, guys. Just the Friday before he wrote this email, he purchased a 2010 Nissan 370Z with just under 30,000 miles in pristine condition. And you know what else is great about this, Stuart? It's just like the 2020. (laughs) 
you got a brand new car. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's 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 low hanging fruit for that slap, That's but it's funny. true. It's pretty much just like the 2020. <laughs> well, five years ago, he was talking to his brother, and he his brother had just traded the 2002 the Bug Eye WRX for a minivan, so he was looking to replace an 03 Maxima. They were discussing cars, and Stewart was being very practical. He said to his brother, "I've given up." And they were just going to get a boring sedan for he and his family. They'd concluded that now that they were married family men, all fun cars were behind them. That was a stage of life. That and is we're not done now. written anywhere. Absolutely it isn't. And, but, it ha- but it happens a lot. I do get it. I do understand. Well, a year or so later, with a daughter in college five hours away, they sold their Maxima and got a minivan to move her back and forth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He never stopped loving to drive, but you had buried that deep mm-hmm. down. It's like a, yeah. you know, a psychiatrist trying to bring out those memories out of you. <laughs> Let's go back to your childhood when you first started driving. What was that yeah. car on your wall? Yeah. I got excited about it. Yeah. And he says he didn't like to drive these cars between their sedan and the van. He didn't like it. They're just not, they're not driver's cars. They're commute cars and they're, they're appliances. And I, I see that. I understand how that happens. Not only is the, the memories of, and love of driving repressed, he's a driving instructor. Mm. He was commuting 45 minutes to an hour seeking a podcast. He found this one. That's cool. Fantastic. And he says the show got him thinking about what he really wanted in a car, reminded him that you don't marry a car. That's true. If you don't That's want it anymore, it. you yes. can sell it. Yes, you can. He says previously he just drove his cars until the wheels fell off. We have to get another car because this one's broken. That's how I grew up, by the way. And their household, he is their household's minister of finance. <laughs> we need the shirt. So he approved himself. Stuart. This is my budget. And then he said, I, I got close to my budget. I, I only missed it by a bit. <laughs> well, he searched on Auto Tempest and included C5 Corvettes and FRS in orange. And he says, I laughed inside the whole time. Unfortunately, someone had put a bunch of speed stripes and a wing mounted to the trunk lid with bolts, but that's okay. At least you drove it. Yeah, he, he loved At driving least. it. He was like, I can't be seen in this one. So he had to move on. Yeah. <laughs> he says, Paul, he, he couldn't bring himself to adopt the maintenance cost of the Caymans that he saw. Mm. And then he found the 370Z. It was about $1,500 more than the FRS, but he says the power is intoxicating. That's a great He's choice. Absolutely stoked to the point where he wakes up each day on the weekends trying to figure out. Which new roads to drive? I love that, Stuart. That's great. This is what we want, man. Yes. And I love that you're back to something that just excites you about the possibility of driving versus transporting yourself and others from the place you are currently to the place you need to get to. Wonderful. Very different headspace. And you can just, you know, soothe your heart knowing that you have the 40th and the 50th anniversary you do car. Have the, the, that car spans <laughs> more than a decade. So bravo. Adam comes from episode 384. He says, you've brought out the monster in me that is never satisfied with vehicles. We all have this problem. It is the (laughs) car disease, Adam. It's okay. You're with friends. I love that you've learned and have spread the joy of cars to others around you. Very cool. Thank you. His question was reviewed on 384. He ended up with a 2019 BRZ. Got a brand new for $27,000. He says, after eight months, I need more space and more power. (laughs) Okay. This happens. I do. I do understand. (laughs) He tried to make it work, but his soon-to-be wife was always carsick and Ooh. found that he could only drive it alone, which was commuting. Mm-hmm. So he traded it for a 2019 Subaru WRX, and that was cool, but not enough character, Interesting. despite the Subi wave and the power. He did some mods to it. It was going down an expensive rabbit hole. As they will, yes. Yeah. Then his commute was no longer required due to COVID. And his soon-to-be wife despised the bouncy, harsh, loud snare drum ride of the WRX. <laughs> After a year yeah, of that ownership, okay. then he got a truck. He went over to Tacoma TRD Sportland, and he says they 
they bought the WRX for as much as he paid for it. Mm-hmm. Truck was 28000 now it's worth thirty. Wow. He's been off-roading and bounced around and loved it. The soon-to-be loves the truck so much it inspired her to wake up one day and tell him she wants a new car. I, I have to stop here real, very quickly. The FRS made your wife sick, or soon-to-be wife sick. The WRX was too stiff. The Tacoma TRD Sport... Yeah, notice this. ...does not have a good ride on the road. Uh, I it noticed doesn't. This. I wonder if it's something about the seating position the high ride height and the fact that it's more floaty and bouncy than just stiff and bouncy because I I gotta be honest, we've driven the Tacoma recently and we both disliked it on roads. I hate it. It was awesome off road, but we were like, this is not a fun place to be. What I think is amazing is your, your fiance who disliked both those other cars so much for ride to the point it was making her sick finds the Tacoma TRD sport so great to ride in. It's like an amusement park. And now she wants a new car. That's so fantastic. I think it's yeah. weird how these twists happen. You can never you can never anticipate. But I love that it got your fiance thinking about Ab- what she absolutely, wants. Absolutely, absolutely. She's doing some critical thinking here. And the day that she told him, mm-hmm. told Adam that she wants a new car, that evening they had a 2018 Mazda CX-5 <laughs> Grand Touring front-wheel drive. We're going shopping right now, honey. Let's go. Grab your purse. Let's go. But see, there it is. You know, continuing your point with a taller ride height, but still some handling and a good ride. Yes, a very and good ride. Wanting yes. probably more space in the SUV. Mm-hmm. That is the car for her. Dark blue color. She loves it, especially since apparently they'd bought her 2016 Hyundai Elantra for more than they thought it would go for. Welcome to the post COVID era, right? Well, and Adam apparently is now the car diseased person in his family and family to be because somehow at around the same time, he got his in laws talking about cars <laughs> and they replaced their entire <laughs> fleet, got a 2018 Mercedes GLC, a 2020 Tesla Model Y, and a 2021 Ram 1500 Laramie, among other people in his soon to be in laws, all affected with the disease. Adam, you're making things happen over no there. No kidding. I'm telling you, we're slinging hash, we're selling cars. We're <laughs> Stuff's m- happening. We're moving the metal over there. You better here. believe it, yeah. When your car needs new brakes, and it will, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with PowerStop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance for something you already need. PowerStop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation, from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are bolt-on, direct-fit parts for better braking with no modifications required. Every PowerStop Complete Brake Kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes. That includes the pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound, which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need new brakes or simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. Todd and I even found great kits for our SUVs and cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. If you haven't signed up already and you live in Texas, you can join us at a Texas meetup. We're having a Friday night and a Saturday meetup in the Austin area. This is the Friday and Saturday of Memorial Day weekend 2021. If you can join us and have not yet signed up, you can go to our website. You can find it under the Adventures tab, and you can follow the registration there. It is limited. I actually think we might. I I, I could be speaking wrong. I think the drive part might actually be full, but there's still some seats available. If you'd like to join us for some of the meals, we would love to see you again. That is happening in Austin. We're actually quite excited. We've had a lot of people in Texas for a few years say, come to Texas. We are. It's going to be very cool. Jumping into the car debate for this episode from Joe R. writing to us about a month ago. 
He says he's got a 2014 Mustang GT that is slowly transforming into a track-only car. Hmm, that's a rabbit hole. Money. (laughs) Yeah, big time. The great money pit. After doing much work on the car, he's thinking about upgrading. Hmm. What would we suggest for a track car with a budget of $80,000? Ooh, okay. Now, that budget includes selling the the Mustang. Of course it does, but you still got eighty grand to work with. Okay, yeah. He's got a lot of the higher end on the higher price scale. Mm-hmm. Everyday driver, usual suspects here, a GT500, an Evora, a Cayman. He figured the Mustang GT500 would be new. The mm-hmm. Evora might be a few years old and the Cayman would have to be an older GTS or S because it doesn't seem like he can get a GT4 for that kind of money yeah, yet. Yeah. What else is he missing? Mm. Now get this. The current garage is full of Land Rovers. <laughs> it's like sponsored by Land Rover, yes. <laughs> LR3 and LR4. He's got an Audi A3 and the current Mustang. And he says, yes, my mechanic has a big boat. <laughs> His mechanic is very, very excited to see Joe showing up. Oh, you're back. Oh, good. <laughs> He's had a 66 Galaxy 500, a 65 Galaxy 500. I'm noting a pattern of repeat cars. Wow. 92 Jetta, 94 Cherokee, 94 Mustang GT. He said, another 99 Discovery. He says, I haven't learned my lesson with the Land Rovers. But he loves them. Okay, good to know. But he says he's never spent a lot on a car, a lot being a relative term. Mm -hmm. He feels it's time now to get something really special. And just because, snow tires in the winter, of course. Okay, good. I... I've got a lot here for you, Joe. I've got uh, some interesting thoughts for you to consider. Okay. Because this is a track car, I see you bombing around the world in your Land Rovers. That's what they're built for in mm-hmm. winter tires. Mm-hmm. Great. And the A3, fine. Mm-hmm. I could say track prepped Miata. I could go factory 5818. I could say Spec Racer Ford or a track prepped Cayman. And I like all of these because of a lower cost of entry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mainly because of all the extra stuff you're going to buy because you now have a track car, as you know, like tires and brakes and engine service yeah, yeah. and a seat upgrade and personalized livery and an air jack system <laughs> and possibly a V-Box HD upgrade, there including an in-car yeah, lap yeah, yeah. timer and a trailer and then all the track days, the actual cost of the track day. And the Land Rovers need more maintenance because they're now hauling the track hauling car and the, the trailer. Car and the, yeah, I'm see where it goes yeah but joe i have your car to consider i this is it i think we're done Oh, okay all right all right like i said i love all the other usual suspects for track car choices mm-hmm. at various price points all less than eighty thousand dollars yeah because of all the extra peripherals but if you go over here to this little website called janetta na dot oh, com interesting okay janetta has arrived in the u.s mm-hmm specifically their G56 GTA. This GT Academy car starts at 62,000 euro. Okay. It has a 3.7 liter Ford V6, a dry sump, and a race clutch. It makes 270 brake horsepower and only weighs 2,400 pounds. That's not bad at all. And the GT Academy race entry fee is 6,000 euro. So those prices Mm. on the website are not quite adjusted yet for US dollars. Mm -hmm. I'm extrapolating... But for less than 80K, yeah. you're into a Janetta. race car. Yeah, something different, something you nobody will see. And then you've got a brand new story and a brilliant track car. Mm. I'm all about the Janetta for you. That's a good one. That's a good one. Joe, I, I, I have a bit, a bit of confusion about your email because what I'm not clear on is at first you say you're replacing a track car. But then you specifically talk about you've never spent this much money on a car, and you're thinking about also getting snow tires, which tells me it's not a track-only car. Mm, when I yes, first hear I'm replacing true, a track car, true. I just think, well, let's get you. All the good stuff you mentioned, Paul, is exactly where just my brain went. Just a track-specific track car. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's actually 
spend less than the full 80, but let's kit it out. Let's be ready to yeah. do track days. Let's dedicate it. But when you tell me it needs to be special, never spent this amount of money before, and you might get winter tires, I hear, I will take this car to the track. That's a great point. But you're going to want to drive it and be proud of owning it. Sure. Especially sure. when I see you mention something like the GT500 or a Cayman and the Evora, I think, hmm, track-capable cars, but I see you just driving this because you have it. Mm. So I shifted my brain, and I went down that rabbit trail. I am going to add one. If you're only talking track car, I'll tell you one that hasn't been mentioned. Okay. Get yourself the last like five years or so, maybe even more than that, Lotus has been selling the Elises and Exiges with the bigger motors, but they're not U.S. street legal. That's true. That's true. $80,000, you can get one of those, and you can pretty much take out everybody. We both had to go British for the, the parts. <laughs> for the, the track. The only parts car. are available. Yeah, true. You can get them. True. They run like crazy. We're talking uh, Lotuses with around 300 horsepower. Fantastic track Yikes. dedicated and cars. Amazing. The ones that I yeah. wish were street legal here that aren't. Those are out there if you're going full track car. But I'm yeah. assuming we're talking about a car you're going to wish you could daily and try to daily, and then you take it to the track. Sure. I like the GT500. It's hard not to, except you've had a lot of Mustangs, and you're getting out of a Mustang. Right, right. So let's go new experience. The Cayman is a great choice, fantastic choice. You would like driving that every single day, rain, shine, winter, whatever, and then on the track it would be awesome. The problem with the Cayman, and you've discovered this firsthand, Paul, it uh, consumes things. It does. The brakes and the tires are just on the list of things it will eat today. Now, you'll have a great time. It's a lovely drive. You'll have a great time. Yes. I think you get yourself a used Cayman and and a set of track-dedicated wheels, where when you blow those tires out on a session, you're like, I don't care. I'll put new tires on it. So uh, the Cayman is great. The Evora is interesting because the Evora is the more unique choice than the Cayman. I think you'd enjoy it every bit as much as a Cayman on track but it'll be a more unique car when you leave the track. I also suspect it may be a little bit cheaper to run on the track Could than the be. Cayman. Possibly, I, yeah. I haven't seen like a side-by-side, and head, but, but based on what I know, yeah, I it think depends the Evora, on how hard you drive it, too. Exactly. I think the Evora might be a little bit cheaper track-running car. Sure, sure. So the Evora, I love for you. Since I took your GT500 away, if you want big V8 American muscle, there's a car you haven't mentioned that's well within your budget that I think you would enjoy driving every single day, and then you would love it on the track. <laughs> Seventh gen, the C7 Corvette okay. Z06. Go get yeah. one of those with your 80 grand and take out everybody. They're far less than 80. Yes, I know. Take out everybody. Oh, my gosh. Get, get that in an extra set of wheels and tires. Yes. And anytime you want to have a track day, you will be ecstatic. That thing is a monster. Yes, get a Z06. So that works. I have two wild cards. Oh, good. Okay. They're wild cards you'll see for specific reasons. The first wild card is because you haven't said if you want manual transmission or not. The Depends first, really on what you want on track, exactly. and, what, and, and what you're what you're like as a guy yeah. that drives daily and also drives track. If you don't need a manual transmission, you could buy yourself a brand new Corvette C8. You could go that route. It'd be now, fine on that's track. That's going to need to have some track set up. It's yeah. not the Z06s and yeah. those aren't available yet. But you would love that car. I think daily and on track, you'd like it. And yeah. then the other one I thought of, if we're going those cars that blur the line, where they're really track cars, but you can street them. You can get for your money a 996 generation GT3. The 997 GT3s are out of your budget, but the the 996s are still in your budget. And that was (laughs) wildly regarded as by far the best version of the 996 Porsche. That is the the late 90s, very early 2000s, 911. The GT3 is in your budget. You could go there. I'm nodding over here. That's a thought. Yeah. That is a thought to entertain. I went looking for 997s thinking those are probably out of budget. And they are, but 996s are right there. All right, Joe, 
You've got some soul searching to do, my friend. Mm -hmm. Please let us know with your own car conclusion. We're proud to have Covercraft as a TV and podcast sponsor. Covercraft not only makes the best custom fit car covers, but also has all the products you need to get ready for car show and travel season. Products like seat covers, dash covers, sunscreens, and more. They're all custom tailored for your vehicles and made with a quality and attention to detail that's been standard for Covercraft since 1965. All of our cars are an expensive investment, from personal fun cars to SUVs to cheap sports cars like our crazy ones right now. Covercraft is focused on protecting the car, SUV, truck, or boat that you love. Whatever cover or sunscreen you choose, remember to use the code EVERYDAY21 at checkout to receive a 10% discount and free shipping from Covercraft.com. Follow the link from our sponsors page at EverydayDriver.com for high-quality covers that keep your vehicles protected and looking their best. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Jumping into social media questions, first one from Bran Boyer, who says, Name a car line that has ever reversed the trend of making the next model year even bigger. Mm. The Camaro. Oh, okay. I went looking at stats. The, the fifth-generation Camaro, as compared to the sixth-generation Camaro. Okay. The newer car has, in almost every category, significant shrinkage. Hmm. Interesting. The wheelbase is two inches shorter. The length is two inches shorter. The width, the height, the front track, and the rear track are all an inch less in dimensions. Hmm. It's overall a smaller car. That was true of the C5 to C6 Corvette as well. Very true. Yes, it was. The C8, well, I mean, that's just a different architecture, totally so different. it's grown in different but, dimensions. But C5, C6 was, was, a, was a reduction as well. Yes. Also, third to fourth gen, the NC to ND Miata. The Miata as well. Significantly yep. smaller. They tried to get the ND as close as they could in modern time to what the NA was. They couldn't do it. There's much more safety and all that kind of stuff available. But they were targeting the NA, not the NC as a mm -hmm. reference point. Mm -hmm. I'm, yeah, Caymans have grown just a mm -hmm. little bit. But if that leaves room for some sort of 550 sort of welcome to Porsche You're, you're desperate kind of for them car, to do that. I really am. Yeah, I mean, how I cool would that be? Paul, Paul Cavanaugh asked a question on Facebook that I, we've seen in various forms. And this is, a, this is a sticky one, but Paul's been with us a while, so I wanted to answer this. He said, what constitutes affordable? Mm -hmm. That's difficult. We picked $7,500 for our sports cars. And he said, that feels like more money than he would generally spend on anything but his primary transportation like that's his budget for the only car he owns so okay. 7500 feels like a lot how do we settle, settle on 7500 and what do we think of this a couple of things first off literally this is how scientific it was when we bought our cheap sedans <laughs> i spent five thousand dollars and paul spent 10 mm -hmm. we looked at each other we said let's meet in the middle <laughs> that was literally the decision process it was like 7500 because the, yeah. the thing we said yeah. here a lot here you can buy a lot of cars for five thousand dollars they will need stuff and by the time you get them sorted in six months or so, you might have spent the better part of ten. That's actually a ten thousand dollar car. If you shop right. at about ten thousand dollars, most cars, most cars, you get at that. You're just going to buy them and they're going to run. They're going to need stuff, but it's not like you bought it and it instantly needs. Here's your list. Okay, we seem to find that to be typically the case. Yep. So we yep. picked seventy five hundred dollars because it was literally between the two price points the last time. We're surprised by what we got. I have had plenty of people write us, talk to us, ask us this question where they're like, that's still a lot of money. And, and th their estimation of a cheap car is less than $1,000. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I can't argue that. I understand there are many of you out there that spend very little money on cars and $7,500 might feel like a lot. On the flip side, I believe the average new car price now is like $35,000 and the average like transaction price in general is somewhere around twenty. Mm -hmm. So when we're spending less than 10 grand, the whole point of this is 
people tell us, and people just think in general, I can't afford a sports car. They're way too expensive. Less than $10,000 for a worthwhile sports car? Now we can have a talking point with a lot of people that were like, that's, you know, I don't have six figures. I can't possibly. That's why we did it. I understand if that feels lots more expensive than you spend. That's a personal thing. I love it. Daily Turismo Gianni says, is Italian design dead? Pininfarina is on the ropes. Bertoni and Ghia are dead. And Giugiaro is no longer with Ital Design. And Ferrari does its own styling in-house, as does Lamborghini. Is the corporate design language where everything needs to look similar within a brand driving this? Mm, within a good. brand, certainly. You see that with every brand. Doesn't matter high end, low end. You see a lot of the same shapes on McLarens. Sometimes it's hard to tell. That's a new McLaren model. Indeed it is. It's very hard to tell. Yeah. Same thing. Like all the Lamborghini, all that stuff down to entry level, anything you see that brand language. And that is really the corporate identifier. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the reason is, is because brands want you as a customer to stick with you throughout your whole career, your money making career. You want to start with a two series BMW and then work your way up to three series, maybe make the jump to a four and Oh, that M five, you got the promotion and finally way out there. You need an SUV. And that's the idea. Something for everyone within this brand language. But asking about Italian designers versus Italian design, there's a fine line here because Mm. as you know, uh, Ken Okiyama is a brilliant Japanese designer, Mm -hmm. but he designed the Enzo. So he was doing a Japanese designer doing Italian design. That's an excellent point. So as we come to Stellantis and the Stellantarians, the German designer, Klaus Busse. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I do that to make you laugh. I, just, I, I, I see, I see a really low rent 60s sci-fi film every time that comes up. Like the really, the, the just a step above flash. Can Gordon. we make that? Yes. With the, you know, the <laughs> planet, planet nines. Oh man. With the fishing line. Anyway, the Stellantians. Moving Telling on. you, yes. German designer, Klaus Busse is the overall head of design for Fiat, Abarth, Lancia, Alfa, and Maserati. Mm, mm, okay. Now, Maserati's got that gorgeous MC20 coming out. It looks cool. Just clean surfaces. Talk about space theme. They've, they've leaned into no. Stellantis on that yeah, one. No yeah, kidding. For sure. But now look at this. Under him, Alfa Romeo, the brand is headed up in-house design by Spanish designer Alejandro Misanero Romanos. Mm, okay. So they've got a Spanish designer doing the heading, heading up for the, the Italian brand. Mm-hmm. And so, also, I want you to look at Icona Group, based in Turin, led by an Italian. The CEO is Italian, but the global design director is a former classmate of mine, graduated from Art Center mm. in 98, Samuel Schufar. He's French, okay. and he's been the design director for a long time. They're an Italian design house working on, you name it, industrial objects, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. pianos. They actually have a piano design on their website. Oh, wow. I'm not quite sure if I'm in love with it yet. But it definitely says Italian design. And what is Italian design? Beauty. The okay. surfaces are the most exquisite surfaces you have ever seen. And mm. they pay more attention to the surface development than anybody. Interesting. Okay. The joke in design school was always like, you get an, ask an Italian busboy to you know, help you out with a you know, brand new kitchen or sculpture or whatever. The Italians <laughs> just get it. It doesn't matter who it is. They just know. That's funny. But it's that clean, beautiful surface development that really sets Italian design. Mm. There's always something about, huh, you can, that feels Italian to me. There's okay. other car manufacturers okay. that have developed beautiful surfaces that feel sensual and beautiful and have motion to them. Mm. There's other car manufacturers, <clears throat> BMW, that just do a wireframe <laughs> and connect the wires with mm-hmm. surfaces. 
not as beautiful, but very striking, very on brand, on point where they're taking the brand. So look at all this stuff and then try to separate Italian design. Is it dead? No, it is not. Because we have established now that any designer, any good designer can do Italian design. The style. Interesting. Okay. All right. Speaking of the BMW that you just brought up, Ryan is asking, I think, the question, because we just posted pictures of the BMW M4, which mm-hmm. is the poster child for Beaver Teeth. It's just, there it is, folks. That's what it looks like. He said, he's asking our honest opinion. Will the new BMW with the Beaver Teeth, is it going to grow on us? Will we start to accept it and like it? Or have we fully dismissed it as ugly? <laughs> he said he's, he's not asking anything about the driving. He suspects we're going to really like how it drives. Ryan, having just been with that car for three or four days, I discovered two things. I discovered that the more time you spend with it, the more it just becomes, okay, you just kind of accept that it exists. It, it becomes this thing you've seen enough now that the shock factor has been lessened. Sure, sure. It's still ugly. Yeah. It's an unattractive yeah. design that you that you grow into being like, okay, all right, there it is. That's what it looks like. I wish it was different. <laughs> Mystic Negro has come to the conclusion that, shockingly, the combination of M5 and Mini Cooper covers every car need, short of hauling 4 by plywood sheets, but he is at least for now free from the automotive debt Samsara cycle he's lived in since the late 90s, <laughs> and his driveway house is now possible Forever cars. Interesting. Good That's for you. That's a big thing to it's wrap your statement. head around. Yeah, it is for sure. What would it take for us to say, that's it, I'm out? Or will you ride the car dragon forever? Mm. I have to ride it. I will always. And I guess it's the optimist in me, always looking forward to future designs. Yeah. And yeah. what's possible in the future, not just from an aesthetic standpoint, but from a manufacturing standpoint. Because it's tech and manufacturing that have changed car design forever, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And then you yeah, add style, but we don't build cars now like we did in the 60s. True, true, true. That's obsolete technology. We build them very differently. And so that will drive the thinking and the way cars are put together and therefore what designers will do to take advantage of future whatever manufacturing processes that are now actually commercially viable from a cost standpoint, mm-hmm. carbon fiber, the price of pitch might come down to five to $6 a pound mm-hmm. and it's carbon fiber, everything. Interesting. What yeah. would that do now at this point to, Hey, we could have carbon fiber, everything on a car. That's exciting. I see two sides of this because we'll see where the future of cars go. Because what I'm already realizing, granted, I will admit that the Lotus has spoiled me here, but what I'm already realizing is I could see the possibility that I become a person who's very intrigued by the new tech Mm -hmm. for the the daily or the electric car or the whatever, and I'm chasing it for that reason. But I could see myself getting frozen in time in the way some people like vinyl, where the car Mm. that I just have for an experience, Mm. it stays frozen in, in the past, and that freezes be it a Lotus or a E-Type or something like this that just freezes there. Sure. And that serves that need of just having an analog driving experience while I'm intrigued by the new tech because that moves life forward. I could see that split happening. It hasn't happened with me yet, but I do wonder about it. I could see a, a nice balance because there's going to be all those old cars that are old tech and have a certain character about them. Absolutely. And they're not fast. They don't perform well. They don't break well. Yeah. 
comparatively, you're right. Nothing yeah, yeah. is good. If you mm-hmm. do any spec comparison, they are dead last. Mm-hmm. But there's a charm to them yeah, that yeah. will never go away. And this is what auction houses definitely <laughs> capitalize on. Yes, or now auction sites. That's <laughs> out there as well. So I, I would say a good balance. But I, I, I leave the future open for future fun, cool stuff. I hope so. Adrian Lane says, should his sports sedan be rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive? Mm. He doesn't care about all-weather. He doesn't need real snow capability. Does he lose steering feel in an all-wheel drive? He's looking at the Genesis G70 or the Julia or the Stinger or the BMW 3 or 4 Series. Adrian, there is no reason for all-wheel drive in your scenario. You will like rear-wheel drive more. What I think you'll enjoy, and you haven't said if you've had rear-wheel drive before, what's interesting about rear-wheel drive, if you haven't had it before, is there's a level of clarity now to your car inputs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that if you had all-wheel drive or front-wheel drive, you have not felt. That doesn't mean there aren't good all-wheel drive cars as far as driving and driving feel. But when you have the front wheels just doing the steering and the grip and the back wheels just doing the propulsion, there, it's it's wonderful as a driver. So if you yeah. can get a, get a sports yeah. sedan that is rear-wheel drive only, I think you will prefer it. Regarding the future, iPollock003 says, when and how do we think the crazy car value bubble that we're in now will pop? Mm. It's no secret that used vehicle prices are absolutely through the roof. We agree. What can we do as enthusiasts to bring the prices back down? It's tough to say don't buy enthusiast cars. It's tough to ju- it's tough to just say stop buying and therefore let's no, drive yeah. the prices down because it's demand that's doing that. But it's the change in the car industry and the fear in enthusiast hearts that say that'll never happen again. We'll never have a mid-engine V10 anything again mm-hmm. or you know what I mean? Insert yeah, yeah. architecture or kind totally, of car yeah. here. And so the issue is and I'm not saying buy a crazy sports car now that you think will go up in value because it's only happening at the high, high end of the market. But it is strange to experience. And because tech and manufacturing are moving so fast Mm -hmm. and car companies are embracing that so quickly, it's not like that exists and car companies are just kind of still going along how they've always done things. They're embracing new manufacturing techniques Mm -hmm. and they're wanting to turn a profit more and more because the industry is so cutthroat. It's all these cars that are, they'll never happen again like that, that are driving these prices up. It's hard to say, go be speculative about a car. Go to any auction site and go be speculative mm-hmm. and buy mm-hmm. something. I'm not telling you to do that. Yeah. But it's that, that's how it used to drive, and I really like that, versus here's what's coming and not, we're, we can't see as far as the future. I mean, we can't anyway, but you know what yeah, will happen yeah. as far as, what car companies are telegraphing to us. Mm-hmm. It's all, here's the platform, here's the new electric something. And until that changes, until somebody steps up as a car manufacturer and says, this is the future of tech, mm-hmm. electric or not, but here's what we're thinking about as a platform. It's not just the old school stuff, but it incorporates a lot of new tech and a new way of manufacturing. And look, it's fun to drive. Until that happens, we're still going to be doing all this. I agree. I think there's other factors that are going on right now that we've ended up with kind of a perfect storm for car prices right now. Mm-hmm. You also have the issue where many, many cars are not able to be built right now because of chip shortages. Yeah. So yeah. that means that that new thing you thought about getting might not be available. The other thing that's going on that is really interesting to me is, as we've all talked about COVID for the last year plus, it has changed the way people, we've already talked about on this podcast, look at their lives. And so you have people that are moving 
because they can work from home now. They're yeah. moving from a city center to somewhere else. They used to have a huge commute. Now they don't. What's happening is that people that are buying a car are also looking at the car for the first time and going, oh, I don't have to get this. I want to get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that is on top of the nostalgia you're talking about and the chip shortage. So all of that has made this weird tornado of prices just rising, 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 because people are looking at it as, life is short. What do I want? And so prices mm-hmm. are going up. I think we're going to all have to kind of shake off our uh, fear from the last year or so before any of this starts coming down. And we'll see if it does. I yeah. hope it does. But uh, I think there's hope there. What are the questions you got on here? Felipe Rodriguez says, do I like the engine in my BMW Z4 and do I think it's reliable? You know what? Honestly, that straight six naturally aspirated engine in my 2004 Z4 is the best thing about the car. It's yeah, just, it is. It, and and, it and is. I'm not saying that as if everything else is bad. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that is the standout thing in that car. I just enjoy revving that engine out, changing gears, revving it again. Uh, I've had some peripheral stuff. That's just worn out. Like we had a hose on the radiator that, that actually went and I had to get that replaced. Okay. All right, fine. The car's got 130,000 miles on it almost. So, I mean, that I get it, but the engine just runs. It just runs strong and it's a straight six. So there's almost no vibration. It's actually very funny. We actually had a situation once where we had your Mercedes and my Z4 parked next to each other and both turned on. Oh yeah. You could put yeah. your hand on the top of the Z4 and it was still. <laughs> yeah. You put your hand on yep. the top of the Mercedes and everything was vibrating. <laughs> the difference between that straight six just running smooth and that V6 rattling itself. Totally. That's really just architecture. Absolutely That's the is. issue with that Mercedes is the balance shaft. They mm-hmm. added a rotating balance shaft yeah. off the cam belt, off the timing chain actually, mm-hmm. that becomes a problem for that car to the point where there was a massive class action lawsuit yeah, and recall yeah. for that particular engine. So you add a balance shaft just to smooth that architecture out from the very beginning. Isn't that crazy? It's like, I mean, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It works fine. It's just sort of like, wow. Yeah. Just architecture alone. I mean, I can't speak to, I'm not going to have this Z4 more than about a year so far. The engine has been the least of my worries. And I think the fact that it is a straight six and not turbo suggests that its reliability is going to be good. Yeah, for sure. Open Mike Knight stays on BMWs here. He says, tire rack released results of testing identical BMWs with various aftermarket suspension components. Do we have thoughts on if aftermarket suspension components actually improve track times or are they more for road feel? That feel that you're pursuing there really is more about the wheelbase and the steering inputs. Mm. The suspension itself will become stiffer. The car, sure, it'll rotate sooner, but it's not going to get more feel out of that steering. It's going to be, you know, more responsive on track. Sure. But as they're just proving, it's slicing it thinly. It's, yeah, it's barely yeah, yeah. anything. We still say come back to tires. If you want a dramatic improvement, tires alone will make that That's difference. That's something you'll feel absolutely, yeah. Petrolhead2003 says, have we noticed... Porsche is quite excited about releasing a Macan in EV form. And we mm-hmm. have noticed, yes. And they're saying that they think it'll have more range than the Taycan. Well, that has nothing to do with anything other than it's new tech. And when we release mm-hmm. version 2.0, it has better than the version 1.0. Okay, of course it's going to have more. <laughs> when they could re- release the Taycan 2.0, it'll have more range yet again. But he's saying, would we prefer to sacrifice range for better EV driving experience, or would we sacrifice the experience for better range? This speaks to something that I think is a key misconception in the way electric cars have been presented. I don't think that range anxiety is the problem. It's charging. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's if still charging. we could yep. get charging down to five minutes, you stand here as long as you stand at the gas station, and you have fifty to hundred miles after five minutes, nobody would care what the range of their car was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would rather have an electric car be more engaging and fun to drive, and a charging experience that is straightforward and quick, than worry about well, but uh, I'm going to drive things that something is not as good, but give me six hundred miles of range. That having just had electric SUVs for season nine, the right, big thing right. we were just accosted by in, in a downtown area was Boulder. It's a place that has lots of electric cars. Is it was just difficult to charge. And one of the things we discussed at length is, as as much as electric cars make sense in city centers, what's funny is the best way to have an electric car is to live in the suburbs with your own house where you can put a charger in your garage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So until we get to a city center that can solve your charging needs quickly, that's going to solve the problem more than any range. Becca Walker has a question about earplugs. She knows that for a long road trip, some people like motorcyclists and sports cars owners will use hearing protection. How do you balance safety, like environmental awareness, i.e. hearing ambulances behind you or cop cars? Sure. She's she's suggesting musicians earplugs that only lower by a few decibels or something else. Well, I was thinking about shooters earplugs, but they're actually designed kind of for the opposite reason. They're, They're designed for the loud sudden noise sudden noises, yeah. and then being able to hear, you know, the low volumes, you know, that kind of thing and letting those kind of things through. So I would definitely look into more musicians. Yes. But more specifically uh, earplugs for drummers and mm. rock concerts, you know, just, you know, the PA and promoters and, you know, people around the, you know, that kind of infrastructure, I guess, Bring volume constantly. General, yeah. uh, so I've been looking at uh, myself, looking at eargasm, there's vibes, high fidelity, etymotic, uh, those kinds of things. So definitely musicians where it's just wall of noise. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the best thing is noise canceling because it's looking for the, like the airplane engine, the, the consistent constant noise. drone. Sure, sure. And then it lets more of just an abnormal voice Random through things. where you sure. can hear a little bit better. So looking into, you know, smaller noise canceling headphones might be actually the answer for you. I've actually worn some of the shooters ones in the Lotus cause it gets quite loud in there. And okay. I find that most of the time I can tell other things going on, but it's just re- reduced the din in the cabin. Sure. Somewhat. Sure. Actually what I find that the shooters one has done for me in something like the Lotus, which is very raw and very rattly is it, clips off the upper ends the lowest and the highest get clipped but that middle range stuff i can still hear pretty sure. clearly and that i've noticed definitely helps uh when i'm screaming along <laughs> nice last thing for me chris is writing about the fact that he just noticed that when he got his frs he was suddenly driving very very slowly because he felt very conspicuous. Oh, he never had a yeah. sports car before. He just felt very conspicuous. And now, two years later, he's just comfortable with the car. He knows the car. He likes the car. And he looks down and he goes, why am I going that fast? He's going <laughs> quickly now. So he's, he's wondering what the, what the case is there. And that's just one of those cases of you getting comfortable in a new platform with new, new capabilities that your random minivan or whatever before didn't have. I think this is a very common reality with sports cars. You buy a sports car and all of a sudden it feels a little overwhelming. I don't know what I'm doing here. But then as you settle into it, you learn to kind of dance with it, if you will. It gets more comfortable. You also said simultaneously that you wanted to thank us because this is the first car that after two years of ownership, you can still say you love your car. Chris, that is why we're here. I'm so glad to hear it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, thank you for all your questions. We always say it, but definitely it makes the show run and and we love love the interaction with you guys. So topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and most especially your car debates to everyday driver TV at gmail.com. If you're coming to Texas in May, 2021, we definitely look forward to seeing you there, but until next time, cheers, everyone. (laughs)